Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 22 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the amazing Hector! The DJ Khaled of comic books. Ooh, I like it. Well, we've got another great show for you, so strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great show for you. We're going to hit the latest news. Sony and Marvel just can't seem to have nice things together. Young Justice Season 3 wraps up. Marvel promises us way more Moon Knight, so plenty of crazy Mark Spector on his way. And what on earth is DC doing with their comics timeline? All that, plus our pulls from the last two weeks, this is the Pull List Podcast. So moving on over into our show and newsroom, Hector and I have the latest news from across the industry for you. Hector, what have you seen burning up your wires and making you either love comics more or, well, n- not? Well, I think uh, the honestly, the biggest thing that everyone's discussing is, you know, what's been going on with Sony and Marvel and, uh, you know, just that whole debacle. And we're at the place where, you know, there's not a lot more to be said. And, you know, people have placed blame. Some people have placed blame in the wrong direction. Uh some people there's, have a, there's lots of angry people out there on this there, one. <laughs> well, there are lots of angry. Well, it's you know, if this would have happened with Andrew Garfield era Spider-Man, I don't think people would have cared. Like I legit yeah. don't think people would have been in any kind of uproar. But the problem it, no, is no love we, for Toby either, but yeah. Yeah. So well, so for those of you that aren't tracking the the whole Marvel kind of and Sony Spider-Man thing kind of devolved this week. And if you're a nerd and you missed that, I guess that's a pretty big rock you're living under. But that's okay. We're here to help you. Marvel and Sony are at it. Well, Sony took their toys and went home. Continue, Hector. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think Sony took their toys and went home because Marvel tried to take all their toys. Um, yeah. I mean, that's where this gets interesting, right? Yeah. Um they wanted to sharpie their name all over it. Um, but over a financial restriction of des- Marvel desiring more funds uh, for the uh, Spider-Man inclusion in the MCU and all that is said with their shared partnership, they it just boiled out to the point that Sony is not allowing Spider-Man or his associated characters to be involved in the MCU, which greatly affects the MCU and also greatly affects future Spider-Man stories. Because if you've seen far from home, um, it's not exactly like you're going to be able to roll. You're not going to be able to tell the rest of that story without the MCU. Yeah. So it's going to have to be a straight up, like we're ignoring this happened um, because there are so many open things that weren't addressed at the end of Far From Home, even just in the last 10 minutes of the movie, like the post credits, there's so much Marvel infused in that and who this character is and Tom Holland's character that dissecting the Marvel from it is, you know, could be like removing black from Batman's wardrobe. It's just, 
it's it can be done, but should it? Um, this this is how you end up with the Bizarro World story. Oh wait, sorry, wrong publisher. Go on. Yeah, well, I mean that's what I think. One of uh, some of my favorite things, though. I mean, there's been lots of sad memes and everything, but like some of my favorite things have just been, you know, the <laughs> coming soon from Marvel Studios Night Monkey or um, right <laughs> that stuff. And like honestly, like one of my thoughts that I had would be oh, this would be a great place to introduce Deadpool because uh, you could have the next Avengers like moment in the MCU and Deadpool just be there pretending to be Spider-Man like nobody's going to notice. And that could be a great, you know, introduction. But, um, one of the things that emerged, um, just in the past day or so in this whole debacle is that, uh, Sony is even more in their feels post breakup because they had to dial back venom because of Marvel's wishes. Um, I just read a news story this morning and the link will be in the show notes that, uh, Tom Holland did in fact film a Peter Parker scene in Venom. Right. Yep. But Marvel was like, oh, heck no. Yeah. Marvel had them remove it. And, um, you know, that's weak sauce, you know, when it comes to it now, granted, um, Venom (laughs) and far from home are not even in the same sandbox. Um, as far as quality and story and everything else, but they sacrificed a lot for that. So I don't know how much resolution we're going to get with that, but just knowing that this is the flux we're in and, you know, this is why Thanos snapped in the first place, people. Um, that's probably, I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta just say this though. I think the Deadpool idea is freaking amazing, but uh, deep cut. Um, I want, bombastic bagman so mm. i want the fantastic Ooh. four suit with the uh with the bag with the eyes drawn on it oh my gosh that would be and, awesome and throw him in the fantastic four movie instead and we can just move on with our lives yes that's wow wait yeah that's a deep nerd cut sir yep. um for those I, will, who... I will allow you all to google bombastic bagman now yes please do um please do um and some other news young justice season three concluded um for a series that most of us never thought we'd even get a season three for. Um, yeah, that's true. We waited a while. Waited a while. It ended. Um, DC Universe dropped three episodes in one day. So you got the whole movie vibe of it in that capacity feature length film. Um, and I have to say it ended really well. And we'll we'll hit that up a little bit later. But uh, if you have been on the fence about DC Universe... Um, you now can get the full season of Doom Patrol, season one and season two is coming. You can get the whole show of Swamp Thing and all of season three of De- of uh, Young Justice right now and probably watch all of it in the one $7 period. So, have Yeah, you got a long weekend coming up, folks. Now, granted, you're going to hear this after the long weekend, so, well, our bad. Never mind. You yeah. can take this next weekend. You can take this next weekend. Well, we're heading back into hurricane season in North Carolina, so um, we might have a few long weeks. But whatever. Um, But this would be a good. This would be a good time 
to uh, pick up DC Universe if you want to catch up on all the content that's original before Harley Quinn drops. And oh, and Titans and Titan season two is about to drop too. So lots of things and all the animated movies that have come out to date, including the latest Hush, which we'll talk a little bit a little later in the podcast. Um, so there, yeah, there's just tons of stuff, and you can read all the comics that 20, associate with these things. Thousand as well. comics. We're really trying not to actually, you know what, DC, you need to cut us a check because I think we just ran an advertisement, but we did, we did. That's okay. Cause I'm going to transition into saying nice things about Marvel and Disney plus right now. So Yay, just, Marvel. yeah, just get out your credit cards right now. Um, and if you didn't hear, you know, D 23, the Disney expo was within the last two weeks of us talking and they kind of reminded us of all the wonderful shows that are coming, but get hype folks because we're getting what if as an animated series, if you're not familiar with the what if, but from back in the day, Marvel actually ran like it's kind of their elseworld slash bizarro world type version of stuff is, you know, what if Dr. Doom was literally like a nice guy? And it's like, what? Um, And it's just crazy matchups or flipped, scenarios and everything and they're going to give us a whole series of animated stuff on disney plus they also announced we're getting some type of moon knight show which i am much excited because i ah moon knight is one of my favorite marvel characters because that dude is literally crazy (laughs) um and has multiple personalities and there's just just a lot going on there to unpack so i'm excited to see what if that's going to be animated or Live action, they've kind of held their cards close on some of these shows, so we're just going to have to wait and see. But we're also going to get a She-Hulk show out of all this. And even though it's not comics, we're also getting the... Right. And also, it's not comics, but the Mandalorian and the other Star Wars stuff they're going to give us just makes me warm and fuzzy inside. There are Star Wars comics. I'm going to give you a tip. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a wonderful thing. So keep an eye out uh, this fall for... You know, when Disney Plus launches, I think it's in November. I think um, you can actually go ahead and do some pre-order stuff. Um, right. There's there's some stuff going on right now. But and so, in addition, it's you also get ESPN and Hulu. See? With so, Disney Plus. So that, like, legitimately, D- Disney Plus is canceling my cable subscription. Um Right? Just because we'll have yep. Hulu, ESPN, and the only thing I'll need is like Better Call Saul and DuckTales. So, um, yep, ditto. And I, I'm I'm excited. Some people are like, "Oh, more streaming services! What a pain!" And I was like, "I don't know. This is still cheaper." So, you know, well, there you go. But yeah, guess if what? You add, if you add my Netflix, DC Universe, and Disney Plus together, and since you get Hulu included, it's still like. A third to half of my cable bill. So, yep. Womp womp. So, you, you heard it here on the Polis podcast. Cable cutting is a thing and it's in our future. If you haven't been there already, it's about to get really affordable. So, do it. It's good. Um, I also have more Moon Knight news because Moon Knight. Um, <laughs> Marvel's announced that they're bringing Moon Knight back again in print. Um, the latest run kind of wrapped up and it wrapped up kind of in a random place. So Marvel's kind of, there's a lot of number ones coming in the next couple months because comics. Um, but Moon Knight is returning this December in print. So I have a feeling that and the show may overlap in the timeline there somewhere. 
So if you've been very excited for Moon Knight stuff because you're crazy like me and enjoy watching Mark Spector battle himself, um, you're going to get that, lots more Moon Knight. I think that one panel of him saying, let's get this bread while collapsing in the street is like, like <laughs> one of my favorite things. I haven't read that issue, but I've used that me I've used that for a meme before, and I'm just like, I love this. Yeah, no. For folks that aren't familiar with the character of Moon Knight, you you do need to do a deep dive on this one. There's some great older stuff, and it's basically if you took kind of the Batman esque character, but literally gave him three more personalities of which part of his history he's not aware of, and in the current iteration he is very aware of each of his other personalities. And he he just crazy, but he's super strong and has gadgets and beats the crap out of bad people. So, if that's your jam... It's Daredevil Moon, and Batman. Moon Knight. Right. Merry yeah, Christmas. no, that's a good combo. Yep. <laughs> Congratulations. Not um, Daredevil... Sorry, not Daredevil. Deadpool, Daredevil, and Batman. And a little there stick. you go. Yep. And with a cool black and white suit and little moon and he throws crescent moons at people. It's a great thing. Which, by the way, I find that very impractical on the throwing thing of crescent <laughs> moons. But I just I feel agreed. like you're going to get cut and it's not a lot of grip. Whatever, though. Yeah. I mean, to each their own. He is crazy. So, so before I bring the last part of the news, I just want to excite Hellboy fans as well, is we're getting another Mignola and Hughes team up for a winter special. If you remember, Krampusnock was last year, I believe, which was an awesome Hellboy story, a standalone story. And, well, the boys decided they were going to get back together again. So Adam Hughes will be doing the art for another one-shot and that's going to be this December as well. So I am really excited for that because even though the main line of Hellboy is kind of finally wrapped up, stories are still being written. He's still involved in all of his characters and the expanded parts of the story. But these one-shots have been really good. So if you're all about that, well, December's your month for this year, that's for sure. But for our final bit of news and kind of interest for the week... We, we just got to talk about this reality of Doomsday Clock 11, you expect me to say is delayed again right here, but it's not, at least not that I'm aware. It's supposed to show up on shelves, I believe, next week um, from what I've heard, but still two, three months late. For those of you that have been paying attention and following the overarching stories going on in the DC Universe with Year of the Villain and uh, Event Leviathan and just... All these little things kind of connecting. Doomsday Clock is supposed to connect these things as well. Because as we've heard and we've mentioned here, the point was to reintroduce the Justice Society of America and some other pieces, the Legion of Superheroes, back into the DC Universe. A fascinating thing happened this week in that three mainline DC books kind of stole the thunder from what almost all of us are sure, is the end of Doomsday Clock. And it would appear that DC jumped its own shark. Because the full reveals of all the new superhero teams happened this week. Um, in Justice League 30, in the latest Superman, um, and it's like, oops. Well, crap. And 
right? <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I have to so buy now, more products. Right. So now a handful of us are kind of sitting here going, well, if that really is the end of Doomsday Clock, what are we going to get in the last two issues? And this is just another great example of, well, when you take on a really ambitious project with folks that have, you know, other day jobs, to put it lightly, um, when you delay out this far, they actually, <laughs> they force guys that are on regular books to hold their stories for a few months. And it kind of looks like they finally said, we got to get to this. We can't keep delaying. Um, so the regular mainline books all kind of converged this week. And unless there's a huge curveball coming in Doomsday Clock, yeah, they, they might have jumped their own event, which is fascinating to me. Um because there's been a lot of hubbub about the delays in Doomsday Clock and also the reprints of two of the books that did drop this week. Um, so, yeah, well, it's it's a very com- it's a very comic book thing. But here we realistically are. speaking, the people that were you know in high school when this book started have graduated college now, and <laughs> <laughs> they've probably forgotten about it. Right. So here's here's hoping that that doesn't become super weird that they find a way to mesh all the things together. But at least what we're finally starting to see bear out is Dr. Manhattan's impact on the DC universe is now actually being felt. Just, we don't know why yet because the series hasn't ended yet. (laughs) So if you're slightly confused in the DC universe right now, kind of there with you, but Good news is Doomsday Clock 11 is supposed to hit within the next week, which means we should get the next piece. But everything, I think, is coinciding a lot faster than was definitely originally intended. So that's the news. And it's crazy as always, but it's why we want to bring you this information, because there's always just wild stuff going on in comics. Comics has always fascinated me because of this, and this is a great example of Editorial calendars are great ideas when they start, and then reality usually overcomes just people being able to get stuff to the page and then the printer. So it's good stuff. But if you want to join in with the conversation with Hector and I, we talk about this stuff nonstop over at the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. You can search Facebook for Love Thy Nerd community, word for word, and you'll find us. And you can join in and chat with all your other nerdy friends about all these wonderful comic book things and more. So... You can jump on over there and check it out. So, Hector? Yes? I think it's time that we transition a little bit and we talk about the wonderful books that you have found on your comic book journey over the last two weeks. So, pull this podcast. Let's talk about the pulls. All right. Well, first of all, for me, um, you know... Get get accustomed. Apparently, I'm actually going to be continually buying Marvel books for a while. And, Shut um, the front door. And uh, but man, I gotta say, Absolute Carnage is still flipping awesome. Um, I don't think I've enjoyed a book version of Peter Parker more than I've enjoyed this version outside of some of the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, the earlier stuff. Um, Mm. I haven't enjoyed Peter this much in a while and it's just, and I think it's the relationship with him and the current Eddie of just, you know, man, I would love to watch a movie of this. Like, 
even if it has to be animated, I would love to see a film of this. So Marvel, if you need help from DC to make an animated movie, holler. And <laughs> because we need to see or a film Sony of this. actually tell this story the way that it looks in the comic book. Try, try using source material. You'll be, you'll be amazed. Oh yeah. Ooh. Um, that, that's a thing. Um, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. But, um, ouch. Yeah. But absolute carnage number two is fantastic. So please, if you have ever read Spider-Man or specifically you've read the maximum carnage series back in the day, pick this junk up. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even going to delve more into that. It's just great. Please read it. I, and I'm not one for tie-ins, but I'll even say this. I picked up the Deadpool Absolute Carnage tie-in, the first issue, and it starts off with before all the carnage... Ha! Literally happens carnage. It's a pun. Because before all the Ooh. carnage actually takes place, yeah. Uh, Deadpool throws Spider-Man a birthday party and doesn't know his secret identity, so he only invites his villains, and it's beautiful. <laughs> um and it's just a great little opener to a book. But uh, beyond that, also House of X number three. Um, man, it's potent. It's powerful. It's strong. Um, yeah, I think you would mention it finally looks like we're getting a little clarity into how all this plays out. Um, right. And how this looks. And um, on a side note, I don't know if you saw, but uh, this week we lost uh, in the nerd community. We lost the life of a Mythbuster, um, who's yeah. also uh, known for a lot of other science things and things that of that hardcore uh, construction racing things like that. But uh, Tamara Robertson, who is a friend of ours, who's been on the Pool List podcast, um, you can uh, you can check out some of the stuff she's been posting about it. But uh, uh, Jesse who is right. one of one of her friends and someone pretty dear to her uh died this week uh trying to break her own land speed record um yeah Jesse was with um our friend there on the search um so they shared a lot of time together on the show and yeah we certainly um it's been a tough week for the the mythbuster crews and and for our friends, so definitely just wanted to, to share in that. But uh, one of the things that actually really became cathartic and helpful this week was uh, I shared uh, just I, one of the things I like to do every week is I like to find my favorite panels from comic books and share them on social media. So if you follow me on Instagram at Faith and Fandom or on our face, the Faith and Fandom Facebook page, usually every week I'll post my favorite panels from a book. And um, one of them this week that I posted was actually one of Scott Summers, Cyclops, heading into right. battle from X-Men or House of X number three. And um, it really spoke to her because uh, the line said for you to die, you would have to be forgotten. And so she you know, shared that and she was really moved by that. So I went back and shared all the panels with her that led up to that. But um, realistically... It meant a lot to her, but honestly, if you're an X-Men fan, uh, it's just a really great moment where you have Professor X and Magneto standing over Cyclops, pouring into him and praising him and getting him, giving him edification together. Like the dual, duality of parenthood, you literally have the one kid who never seems to actually get anything right you know, getting praise from both his parents. Um, 
And also, you get some awesome Nightcrawler action. There's solid bamfing action. Yeah, I was going to say, so much bamfing. There's lots of bamfing and swords, and it's great. Um, so it's just poignant and beautiful. So House of X number three, it was great. And then also really, you know, I, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but man, I am really enjoying Superman year one. Um, and I know that the first one had the kind of sociopath attitude. Um, and this one was a super awkward and weird story that yeah, it was. seemed out of place. But man, I loved it. Uh, the basic story is that Superman goes to Marine Camp to, or no, wait, yeah, uh, Navy, 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 Navy. Yep. yeah, because he wants to become a Navy SEAL, and so yep. it's got him through going through SEAL training, and he uh, connects with and begins a relationship with a mermaid person. Yeah. Um, so right about the middle of this book is when I went, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> Right? Um, so Superman, like, legit began... Well, and apparently this is an older character done in a different facet. Um, right. And I didn't know her. Like, she was new to me. Um, but you get Poseidon's daughter and Superman, like, sliding hard into each other's DMs telepathically. And uh, starting a courting relationship where Superman is put through all the trials of, you know... I guess Atlantis, uh, so that he has the right to be with this mermaid lady. And, um, he basically defeats Poseidon and <laughs> becomes the king of Atlantis. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I- we go from the cornfields of his childhood to <laughs> the Pacific ocean. And, you know, I, my head hurt halfway into this book <laughs> but I, I was it. still i was still trying to reconcile the fact of superman becoming a navy seal and that <laughs> wrapping up really quickly and kind of the entire joke of him being like well i have to hold back to like 10 percent of my capability while i'm at basic training and stuff and then he goes to, to buds to seal training and is like yeah i'm good and stuff but i'll just knock it back a notch it's like wow <laughs> Well, that's the thing, you know, he's got that whole Dexter sociopath thing of like, keep it in check, keep it in check, keep it in check. Um, (laughs) But like, legitimately, I think, I'll say this, I think it's one of the first Superman books I actually am struck with wonder. Um, Like, huh, like, you know, like, I feel like a kid when I'm reading it, like, okay, when he dove into the water to first chase after you know ariel um <laughs> he just tells himself all right now breathe water it's not that hard and like you've got this moment where he's like all right reconstruct how you breathe cool got it let's go got and it i'm nailed like, it i'm like what the crap just happened but i'll say this man i have i'm not bored i don't feel nope. like it's a retelling of something i've heard a million times and i gotta say personally I think it's my favorite thing Frank Miller has written in a very long time. I'm digging it. It I mean, it there's there's a lot of words, there's a lot of pages. And for comics that that can be a little weird, but I'm the same that I'm like, wow, this this is fun and I'm really confused, but confused in the good comic book way. Because here's the deal. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know where right. it's going. I have no idea what's going on right now. Um and then the last one for me is um 
uh, Black Mask number one, the year of the villain tie-in. Um, it gives us a nice little childhood backstory on Roman Sionysus. Is that how you say his name right? Yeah, Sionysus. Um, but I think Sionis. everyone can fight over that one if they want. I Let's feel like Sionysus. Yeah, Sionysus. Yeah. Sionysus sounds like a chemical. But Sionysus... Um, but either way, Black Mask, it gives us a nice little backstory on him, makes him a little bit edgier of a killer. Um, and in my mind, I was lit hearing Ewan McGregor in my head when I was right. reading I'm it. I'm excited. Because Ewan McGregor is you know, going to be Black Mask in a, the Birds of Prey movie. So pumped about that. Um, but the reason I like this book is because we get Renee Montoya. Um we get a, and I don't even know, man, if this is like, I don't think it's her first rebirth appearance, but it's the deep. Don't think so. Yeah, but it, it feels like the deepest cut of Renee, um, where we get a full fledged Renee Montoya who is not the question, and at this point, and is a fully functional Gotham City police detective. No wait, is she in Atlanta? She's in Atlanta. In this story. Um, but either way, getting Renee Montoya back, um, if you read DC's 52 and any of the books that followed after that with like Cully Hammer and things like that, that are just gave such a great Renee Montoya storyline of the question. I'm a big Renee Montoya fan. Um, you know, she like Harley Quinn is a character that premiered on Batman, the animated series and wove her way into comics. Um, and anytime you give me Renee Montoya on a solid level, I'm excited. And so this is the first real time in a minute I've got a good Renee story. So I was I was excited about that. What about you? What are you pulling? All right. So I guess I'll start kind of on my Marvel side as well. And I just have to continue to sing Daredevil's praises. So Daredevil 10 came out during this time period. And it wasn't quite as heavy as some of the stuff that was going on in the previous arc, but you know, Sadarsky is continuing to tell just a really solid daredevil story. So I said it before, you know, Charles Sewell told a really good story. So go back and read that run and then keep reading because Sadarsky just like picked it up and went, cool. I got this. And just boom. And yeah, they did transition really well. So yeah. And I was like, a props because that usually doesn't happen well, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but so the what was it? Um, God's not devils. Was that the previous? Um, is that how they called that? I'm trying to remember the name of the arc. The current one is like no devils, only God. Right. That's what it was. Yeah, lots of wor- lots of words there. Um, yeah. and my brain couldn't do it. But yeah, so. There's lots going on there where, you know, he's taken the suit off because, as we've said long ago, so spoiler alert class, um, Daredevil accidentally kills uh, a perp, a bad guy, um, and decides that I I can't keep doing this. There's an imbalance here. And so he's kind of been doing Also, Spider-Man told him he couldn't do it anymore either. Yeah. You know, for that split moment, Spider-Kid basically said, yeah, knock it off, (laughs) Um, which was great, too, and was a nice tip of the hat for Sadarsky to put both of his primary characters side by side in a single book, um, as of late. So, but just the art transitions that have occurred a few times in daredevil have been good. Usually I get distracted when art changes, but I'm, I'm digging what's going on. 
we still have this story of a new cop has been transferred into Hell's Kitchen, and he's kind of the, I'm going to fix all the problems, kind of straight-laced dude. So he's like, no vigilantes, vigilantes bad. Well, in Daredevil 10, kind of a crazy story erupts, and all the cops are trying to frame him for originally injuring, but ultimately his partner ends up dying, which seems like the other bad cops are probably involved there, but lots of spoilers, kids. <laughs> um, you get an and, awesome daredevil fight in a police station. Yeah, is- you get a hallway fight. He loves hallways. Um, mm-hmm. And he kind of comes face to face with this cop that's been trying to catch him since he killed the other guy. And Daredevil, you know, falls on the proverbial sword because the bad cops try to kill this detective in a police station. And. Murdoch happens to be in the back and here's the whole thing. And he comes out and he covers for the cop, you know, making daredevil even more sought by the police. So, and you know, what was great. It was really good when they did that exact thing in the dark night. Womp womp. <laughs> um. <laughs> exactly. Huh? It's like this thing happened before, but <laughs> even with that, I'm still happy because it's, it's been really good storytelling. It's oh, it's graphically, been great. It's graphically pleasing and all of that. So stop not taking my advice and start reading Daredevil, darn it. You get just enough Jesus sprinkled in to yeah. make everybody angry. Um, <laughs> Aww. But Aww. no, it's been, it's been a really good... We're seeing this struggle of Matt seeing what he knows to be bad things going on in his world. And him trying to reconcile with himself what being a vigilante truly means. And then this very self-sacrificial act that he's made, we're going to see how it plays out in the next issue. But I continue to be excited for daredevil. Um, now that said this week is also um, Marvel marking their 80th anniversary. Um, so 80 years of Marvel comics have been around for a hot minute kids. Um, and so to, Mark the occasion, Marvel decided they were going to issue a Marvel 1000, which means, sadly, nothing. Um, But it was a goal to kind of jump on the train of DC marking multiple books hitting 1000 this year that we did a comic book thing and Marvel said, cool, we'll release an issue 1000, except it doesn't connect to an actual book that (laughs) hit that many numbers. Um, technically X-Men should be close by now, but neither here nor there. <laughs> um, the point of this book was to collect upwards. Well, dude, X-Men started like almost 30 years after Batman. It did, but there's still, they cranked a lot of books. <laughs> um, a lot of books. Uh, I'd be curious to see someone actually do that timeline because that would be confusing, but entertaining. But Marvel 1000 was designed to be kind of this anthology of literally walking through the history of Marvel one page, two pages at a time. And with each page, two page collection being a different writer, artist, penciler, inker from across Marvel's history for folks that are available to kind of tell this anthology story that ultimately led up to a reveal at the end of the book of something that will be coming between now and 2020. So there's a lot going on and I'm sure for the right audience and for nostalgia purposes, it's a really great book. Um, 
for me personally, it's one of those things I, I want to put it on your radar. And then in explaining that also come to terms with, it was really difficult to kind of grasp a one page, two page story. Cause some of them didn't flow very great. Um, so these types of projects are usually neat because of the people that they get into the book. Um, but the payoff was, I found four or five stories out of 80 that were like, oh, that, that was really good. That was cool. Um, and then the reveal at the end is super deep cut Marvel. And I won't spoil that one for you, that if you're curious, you should go out and pick that up. But at a minimum, the journey of really seeing even just, you know, the handful of people that are involved in this project. It's, it's a neat thing. It's a great way to celebrate the history. It's just one of those things that I don't know if I love in this format or not, but if you're that hardcore Marvel fan, as many of you are, that's a pickup you need to make this week. So you can kind of take a nice little walk through the history of Marvel with some great art and some great writers involved and find out what character they're going to really pull from the deep cut to show up in early next year in 2020. Yeah, it's, there's a lot going on in that book. It's it's hard to under undersell that. But it's literally one-page stories, which honestly is just really hard for this medium. But some people did it. Some of them were really, really thought-provoking, and some were just evidence of why it's really hard to tell a good story in a page. <laughs> um, so... For my, I do have an image book this week, so I'm going to continue to sing the praises of Ascender, which was the series that followed Descender. And dang it, Jeff Lemire continues to make this book one of those books that makes you almost tear up a little bit here and there. Darn you. Um, and he kind of gave us another shocking moment in this story that just when you think he can't pull at you a little more in the middle of this wild sci-fi slash fantasy story that he's telling he goes and does it again um so if you're still interested in that series you know like i said you should go back and start with descender so you can understand the setup ascender is a fun story in and of itself but i'm not sure you'll have enough information to understand why some moments are as important as they're being displayed so but you can get all of Descender in trade right now, and I think you can probably put those together pretty quickly and then catch up because Ascender's only at number five. So keep up the good work, Jeff. Keep up uh, messing with our heads in emotional ways that you don't expect from a book of this type, but it's been a fun journey so far. And then I think the last two that we need to talk about is jumping back onto the DC train is we got to talk about Batman 77 and yeah, oh, yeah I forgot definitely. <laughs> yeah. We definitely have to talk about curse of the white Knight um, number two that came out. So Sean Murphy just blowing us away continually that really does starting man. with kind of right with curse of the white Knight um, and our other worlds or the Sean Murphy universe as it's dubbed. Um, Azrael kind of being returned to us as this grizzled um, Vietnam veteran and picking up his old mantle to basically the the Batman needs to get put down to kind of balance Gotham again. That, you know, this is another, just like in the first story that Sean told us with um, 
the Joker and Joker turning back into Jack Napier and, you know, Batman's the problem, uh, we still have this discussion going on, except this time we get this modernized version of Azrael that is just, A, um, amazing. Um, that suit, though, and the right. conversation <laughs> around it in this issue is great, right? Is the red kind of stands out and it's like, it's all right, God's got this. Like, yeah what uh, uh, yeah i i enjoy that context but then on the flip side you know <laughs> i i love when god is used in books and especially in some of the later azrael books but uh you know <laughs> when it's used by the villain and in a bad capacity i'm like eh, let's i don't love it as much like <laughs> i like and that they panel. went really and they went really heavy in this book too <laughs> they did they did um that's the thing. Azrael and Huntress um, can be some of the best spiritual anchor points of the DC universe, or they could be the worst, um, <laughs> depending right. on how they're used. But I'm also really excited for how this is playing out because Sean Murphy also has a good tendency to really flip the script on things um, and add a lot of layers to it. So, I'm really excited to see that, and obviously the developments we're getting with Harley. Um, oh, that was interesting. Yeah. So we're not going to spoil that one. All you need to know is that there there's some Harley Quinn um, news in number two that is interesting, given that this entire universe is connected. The Sean Murphy, all of Sean Murphy's work is connected in some way. So it's clearly something that is carried over from the first story. So. And, More information's um, coming there, yeah. Which I think is really funny because if you look at it, um, he dropped his big Harley reveal in issue two of White Knight, um, right? So that's just kind of a aces and hearts kind of situation he's playing. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So if if you're behind, because one of the things that I saw because when I posted comic book panels was that that was the book that got the most. What book is this? Like responses. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, so if you want an interesting story, pick up White Knight and then you can get it in a trade. And I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, but then go pick up, you know, the second volume and see where it's going. There's a really neat um, retelling of the history of Gotham and the Wayne family that's also interwoven into this story. So we've got some old lore being kind of told and being pulled forward, which is usually what happens with um, stories with Azrael and um, the Dumont. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's really got the uh, Scott Snyder gates of Gotham uh, vibe to it. Um, in that aspect, but honestly, I don't want to say this in a negative way towards Scott Snyder, but it just feels like it's a little more organic here than what they were pulling off with like, Batman 40 and stuff uh, with the Joker uh, back in the New 52 era um, where the Joker was trying to say that he was an eternal being that had been <laughs> all through right. Gotham. Yep. But it, it definitely feels like you know, you get kind of deja vu, but not like you're being retold the same story. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. So that kind of... Re- yeah, brings kinda- us to Batman 77, right? <laughs> Yeah, we gotta Ooh. we gotta wrap up that wonderful part of the pulls, but all right. So, kids, if you haven't read Batman seventy seven or you're in the current Batman run, as we scream towards Batman eighty five and the end, the formal end of Tom King's run, 
you need to stop listening to the podcast right now because Hector and I are going to spend a minute talking about the event of 77. So you, let's, here's let's a moment say, for you to pause. Jump back in and like go ahead and scroll over like three minutes. And there you go. should be good. Um, Do it now. now. <laughs> so we're going to jump right in. So City of Bane's been going on. Uh, the world's kind of been turned upside down that the villains are now in control. And we're seeing these really wild stories of these people we're used to seeing as villains, as members of the Gotham City Police Department, as detectives and whatnot. So... For this issue, we see an interesting story of Zaz and uh, Scarecrow um, as detectives chasing after Damien, um, but that's because Damien's been running his self away from uh, Gotham Girl. So again, if you've not been reading, you're very confused at everything I just said. Um, <laughs> but and so the way he handled Gotham Girl was dope. Um, <laughs> I was very oh, excited yeah. with that. No, and it's been great, and it's confusing, but so with Damien under control and Thomas Wayne, you know, still bouncing around, he's like, you know, you're, you're going to learn, kid, because we're going to do some stuff, and you, you and the Bat family need to pay attention, and he's like, yeah, whatever, typical Damien, brooding, 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 something about being the spawn of the demon, brooding, brooding, um, and we end up towards the end of this book with Bane standing over Alfred and yeah, sorry kids. Uh, Alf- Alfred gets his neck snapped right in front of Damien. And where we stand here at Batman 77 is Alfred Pennyworth appears to be dead. Not, not kind of dead. Not, not, not appears. He did. Um, they straight well, I want to talk. In- I want to talk about that because I have a theory, but I'm curious on some of your thoughts as we roll into this point knowing that we've only got a few a handful of issues to get us where tom king wants us well flipping back um about two months ago tom king um was on twitter saying i'm about to do something that's not been done and it scares the crap out of me (laughs) um right and so i think he was referencing killing alfred um but, you know, we could still be in that whole... Based on the lunacy that is GCPD with criminals and everything else, based on that craziness, um, I don't see how where we are, even though it's the main Batman line, fits into current DC continuity. Right. And even beyond that, here here's my thing for consideration, is... We just came off from the Nightmares arc that we made a ton of fun of, but is obviously very relevant um, given the circumstances. And the other piece that is kind of buried in the lead because of the Nightmare, and I'm more willing to believe, is remember, all of the misdirection during this entire story can go almost all the way back to the first couple arcs because... We keep forgetting that Psycho Pirate is actually involved in this story and has been manipulating people's realities. That that's part of how Bane created his cabal. That the thing that actually made me believe that that may be more accurate in this story isn't Alfred dying and the bad guys being in charge is, but 
Bruce being back by the side of Selena Kyle, apparently, you know, in France or some craziness right now. And she's kind of like, everything's cool again. Or she's at least feeling bad for him. I'm like, these two stories don't line up at all to me. And so I'm still thinking this isn't in reality, but it's really hard to tell. Or we come out the other side and we found out we are, and that's how crazy things are. Yeah, I, I do lean that this could totally be like a nightmare or a misdirect or something like that. I, I get that, but I gotta say, like, um, flipping the page and seeing yeah. Alfred's neck snapped, I was not okay. <laughs> I was not cool. Um, you, you I didn't need like, a moment. I needed a moment. I was I wasn't like openly weepy or anything. Um, but I was like, you know, that's Alfred. Uh, and here's the deal. We might not have seen Alfred die in canon, but we've seen right. Alfred die tons. I mean, he's like freaking Kenny. Right. Um, yep. <laughs> he died, he died in, um, you know, the dark Knight returns or he died in, um, uh, what's that current run? The thing with, uh, like Scott Snyder's doing, is it Scott Snyder? The last night oh, on the- earth. Bat- Batman who laughs last night on the Earth. The other one last night on Earth yeah. is is Snyder as well. Yeah, yeah. But in Batman who laughs, we got Alfred dying too. I mean, like we this this stuff has happened all the time. We've seen Alfred die, but like to see Alfred die in a main Batman book, brutally murdered in front of his uh, quote unquote grandson, was rough. Right. Um, no, the setup to that was was pretty chilling with Thomas being over. You know the one that he knows to be a smart aleck. And it's like, no, 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 kid, you're going to learn today. And it's like, Ooh, yeah, uh, it was. So y'all Tom is not the, the punches are no longer being pulled. I don't think we're being set up anymore. We are careening towards where he's going at this point. And, whether this holds as reality or not, I'm still excited because there's a lot of things that can happen between point A and point B. And all of this ultimately is the mental shattering of Batman in 80 plus issues that I have not missed a single one because of how good it's been. Now there've been some slow points, which Hector and I have talked about, but this is crazy. So those are our polls. There's some amazing stuff out there this week and don't, don't miss what's going on in comics. Y'all there's lots of wonderful things going on and all of you have been jumping on for the Batman ride and for the X-Men ride as well. And that's why we haven't really had a community pick in a while is because we're, we're, we're all kind of lockstep. No one's really thrown us a curveball in the last couple of weeks, but you know, join us in the community, like we've mentioned before and tell us what you're reading or hit us up on the Twitter and other folks where you can find us because we want to know what you're reading. Cause what we don't know what we're missing. We could be missing something. So join us and join us. One of us. No, it's good. So in our final moments here, then after talking about those amazing polls and lots of amazing news, uh, I know that Hector has one topic that's been on his mind for a few weeks, and we just want to get a couple minutes into it because 
One of the things that is probably most difficult for a lot of comic book fans is to see our favorite works adapted into TV shows, into movies, into video games, etc. And, well, that process sometimes doesn't go as planned, or not as we, the fans, would like it to go. And so it's that entire issue of adaptation and taking the stories that we love from the page and throwing them into other mediums, either for them doll hairs or to tell a story in a different way. But Hector, I know this has kind of been your thought for a while. So so hit me with what's on your mind. So Hush, if, I mean, if you've listened to like, I guarantee out of the 22 of these, 11 of these, you hear me talk about how good Hush is as a book. Um, it's probably more than that. It's probably more than that. Hush has been my favorite comic book graphic novel since like 2003. Um it's the book that got me reading comic books again. I mean, it's it's a masterpiece. And so when DC Universe announced that they were doing um, an adaptation of it, or not DC, but DC in general was doing an adaptation with it, um, I was nervous um, with it. And then, you know, I'll try and keep this as spoilery free as possible in case you haven't watched the movie yet. But like, uh, what we got was such a mundane superficial plastic version of a masterpiece of a story um uh hush as a book is like a skillful articulate game of chess where there are master strokes and broad strokes and subplots and misdirections and all of these things. And the Hush animated movie was like a puzzle you get in a kid's meal. Um, and it was nice to see some of the scenes that uh, played out in the book, played out in, you know, in film. Like, I literally just sat there, me and my kids and my wife were watching it, and every 40 seconds, I'm like, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> That's all I could say for the longest point. Like, uh, I mean, and it's it's little things. Like, uh, in Hush, the first big bad you see that Bruce deals with in the book is Killer Croc, who's been mutated. Um, okay, well, in the, in the movie, they swapped it out for Bane, who's tripping on Venom. I mean, that's that's not a bad thing. Um, that's not a bad... You can, you can shift things around and it not be a problem. You can shift storylines. Like, uh, they removed Huntress from the movie. And almost all of her stuff was replaced with Nightwing. Um, yeah. And... I knew and, I was missing something. Yeah, and, H- and that's the thing. And Hush was one of the best... Huntress stories in modern era and they just you know casually wrote her off but then also it was you know obviously it's dated but it was a Tim Drake story as Robin and we take all of the subtext and all of the great things about who Tim Drake is uh and we get like a crappy uh Damien uh like FaceTime video where he tries to talk to Bruce about sex. And <laughs> right. Um, and and it, it was, was it was in Hush that we also I, I didn't love 
the Joker iteration in this. Um, the yeah, the voice just didn't click for me. But didn't they also make a really terrible crowbar joke in this? Was it this movie they made it because it was like a throwaway? And I was like, no, n- n- no. It it was something recent. If it wasn't this, but I meant like. Here's the deal. Like, I mean, there's this moment in the book of Hush where Bruce has this moment where he just stops and within himself says that Tim Drake will be the next Batman. That he, uh, more than Dick, more than Jason, more than everyone else, is the best detective among them and one day he will be Batman. We get this moment where he he has this beautiful time with himself and instead, we get a voice chat with Damien that's, like, bad jokes. Um, it's it's literally, it's just like, I don't even want to say it negatively in that capacity, but it's just really dumbed down. Um, and, you know, one of the things is, like, I'll give them this. They try really hard to uh, keep the comic book reading audience surprised. Um, but because if this was a direct adaptation that was just, you know, shot for shot, word for word, that's fine. They did that with the Dark Knight Returns. And you know what? I didn't mind. Um, uh, (laughs) I was fine with that. But because the story of Hush is such a big twist, reveal, uh, turn of the screw, uh, situation, if they, if anybody's read this book, they're going to know the outcome if they do an honest adaptation. And so I get shifting around some major things to keep us surprised. Um, But one of the things that made Hush Hush, not like be quiet, but like one of the things that made Hush as a character so good is that he was brilliant. He was quoting Aristotle and there was this theme right. that ran through everything and he was a mastermind and he 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 got every villain in Gotham to willingly sign on to do things differently just to manipulate Batman and screw with him. He willingly got them. He even got Jason Todd to willingly sign on to do it. If you, it's not in the actual first book of Hush. It's in a Batman annual. I want to say number twenty-five, where you find out that really was Jason Todd at the beginning of the Hush battle scene with Jason Todd. Um, on the flip side, the Hush that we got in this movie used basic blackmail and thuggish right. tricks to accomplish his goals. And I'm thinking this rogue gallery would eat this heifer alive. Um, there yeah, is no, no, even there's poison Ivy having control capabilities and everything was being manipulated by blackmail did kind of seem like a, wait, wait, I was like, she literally has the ability to wait. wait. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, towards the end of the movie with hush and the reveal and everything, trying to then be like nope i am that clever and it's like no yeah it's it's what they and they could have still done something really solid with it and i just feel like when you get to the last 15 minutes of the movie it's just a throwaway um i'm like thanks for trying i'm super glad i didn't pay for this um thank you dc universe for airing it um and you know I, I don't know. And then another thing is like part of the big story of Hush, one of the things that made it so poignant was 
Um, the relationship with Jason Todd and the relationship with Oracle, both which were removed from the story. Um, and I, I don't know. It's just when you're adapting something, if you lose the whole heart of what you're doing, uh, you, you, it's not worth doing. Now, on the flip side, I'll say this. DC just did something very similar in Young Justice Season 3, which uh, employs a large core chunk of the story arc, The Judas Contract, with uh, Terra, Geoforce, uh, you know, the Teen Titans, Deathstroke, that whole thing. And here's the deal. They adapted it, but they also kept it original and made it high quality. They still got me like, oh, you got me. Like, they actually got me, but it didn't suck. And I just feel like you take one of the best books DC has made and forever and make a low-quality film. Um, This right here is right up there with Batman and Barbara hooking up in The Killing Joke. This, this, what they did with Hush, especially like the last 30, 40 minutes of the film, is up there on dropped balls with the level of what they did with Killing Joke. So, womp womp. And yeah, you know, I, I, th- I think a conversation that I heard um, at my local comic shop is is relevant here is this is an example, a very rare example, of... Hollywood slash production company took a story that actually had more content than could be jammed into a single movie and made a single movie, which is why we lost so many storylines and they had to force things. And I mean, fine, some of it probably was bad adaptation, but where Hollywood generally is like, how can I make this seven and a half movies? They took a story that legitimately probably should have been two. And jammed it into what was it, ninety-five minutes, ninety minutes? The, it should and have ended like if they made it two, it should have ended uh, after the opera house. That would like, have been a good transition. There's there's tons that, of places that that to your point because of how intricate this story is. This was a good opportunity to do a two-parter, even as an animated film, and probably be completely okay. I, I just want to say this. If you've heard me talk about how great Hush is and you've not read the book, but you watch this movie, please stop what you're doing. Go read Hush. Do it. Cleanse your palate and go read this phenomenal book. I will flip and mail you a copy if you can't get your hands on it. Just read it. Um, And, you know, it's I'm working on something with, you know, faith and fandom with that on too, is like, you know, how, you know, we spiritually can be really bad adaptations of the message we're supposed to put out. Um, and you know, you know, we can be really bad adaptations of what God calls us to be as Christians and where we rush and try and cram all the wrong things into the wrong places. But, you know, whether it's spiritual or, just making my favorite comic book movie, don't do it. <laughs> be so, be be a good adaptation. <laughs> don't 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 mess with Hector. Um 
<sighs> he has a, so he has a po- he has a podcast. <laughs> he has a place that he can vent about these things. But it's a valid point that one thing that challenges us all as fans is that sometimes our favorite work is probably eventually going to be adapted, and that seems to be the case of Hollywood. As I haven't seen a lot of original content in a really long time, um, so adaptations are basically a thing, and sequels and endless sequels and. This is what happens as new people take content and they try to tell a story in either too little time or we get The Hobbit in three movies for some reason. I mean, they were gorgeous, money. but just saying, yeah, the, <laughs> the search for more money. What? Um well, that's the thing, so, dude. I really think they could have made an animated series of this. They could have split yep. it into two movies. Um, I mean... And that's the thing. They hyped it up so much based on how good the book was. I just, you got a lot to live up to. Yep. So I'm be in a corner now. So. Yeah. From, from the pull this podcast, uh, Hector, and I feel your pain as we know that sometimes adaptations just don't live up. And, you know, it's a tough thing because we have those things that are our favorite things. And when they don't get displayed the way we thought they were originally done, then we get let down. And that just happens from time to time. But every now and then we do luck out and we get good adaptations or we get adaptations. And I think like a lot of things I have to continue to say, I'm glad that stuff continues to be told. We see stories and whatnot, but it, yeah, sometimes things just don't live up to expectations, and that's just part of the reality of something that we've fallen in love with, however we've fallen in love with it. So that's a brief conversation on the issues of adaptations and expectations and everything, but this is a great opportunity from us to you, our loyal listeners, to go read Hush, as we have literally told you <laughs> at least... 50% of the episodes that we have and then go watch hush for yourself. And you can see a good example of what happens when you take, you change mediums, you change creative teams, but it's a great opportunity for you to say, Chris and Hector made me read a really good comic. And then I watched a so, so movie and I learned something <laughs> because the more, you know, we're here to fill your brains with knowledge and wonderful things about comic books. So, that's really going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 22 is now in your ears, but Bef- we couldn't possibly we go, do this alone. Oh, wait. Hector has something I, to I say. Just, I just wanted to give a shout out to Tristan Birch, um, who uh, contacted me on the Faith and Fandom page because uh, he had found the Polis Podcast. And, um, you know, here's one of the things you guys might not realize, you know, and we don't even realize how impactful this can be. But, um, you know, he said that, uh, he, he said it's our fault that we started, he started reading comics again. Um, and that he's grateful for, but I I love this. And this isn't just go for us. This goes to you as a community. He says, I feel like I've found my people and have come from the wilderness, even though we're half a world away. He's not in America. Um, Oh, we're international y'all internationally. No, um, he's a, He's like, I feel like I'm home amongst family. And listen, you know, that's what, you know, this community can be. And as Chris is about to tell you, it's not just us. It is made up of a community. So carry on. 
Yeah. We're all about this wonderful community of this group of nerds known as Love Thy Nerd. And we're on a podcasting network, so we're not the only show here. We have two other amazing shows on the network. First, we have Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris, where they do interviews with game designers. That's video game, tabletop, etc. Insert type of game here. And they talk to designers, producers, creators, artists, and they really just get down to the heart of why do these crazy people make these amazing games that we play and enjoy? So we can learn a little more about the people that bring us the things that we take enjoyment out of and what makes them tick. And on the other side of the network, we have the Free Play podcast where Bubba, Matt, and Kate tell us a little bit of everything that's going on in general geekdom and nerddom across the wires and the interwebs and just they get really down into kind of all the stuff that's going on in pop culture and have a really good time over there. So as often as I try to be somewhat humorous, maybe they're, they're pretty funny. So you should give them a shot. So no joke. It's really awesome. You can join us in our wonderful community on Facebook. As I've mentioned before, just search for love thy nerd Facebook community and you can partake in that community that our good friend from down under has told us about. So you're not alone, everyone. We are your people, one of us. So, you know, Hector and I just want to thank you all for choosing to be with us and to listen to us as your primary source of all things, comic booky and generally nerdy on a, near weekly basis we try so don't leave us hanging rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice we're on the itunes spotify stitcher radio and so many more we love those five star reviews only five star reviews nothing else you can give those to free play or humans of gaming uh i'm sorry just kidding um but they're wonderful people so from the bottom of my heart and from hector's seriously thank you guys for listening and remember kids read more comics Game of risk.